Folks, before we move on to the next Mother of All Invention series, we would like to add a few notes. Mecca has always been victim since its beginning. Quraysh used it to make money. As we said before, Muhammad's grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, was in charge and was pretty well off. The tribal leaders used it to consolidate their power and occupy caliphate after the death of Prophet Muhammad. The main victim of uh, ideology coming from Mecca were the women. The pre-Islamic period, the women of Mecca were very powerful, independent and good traders. They even used to participate in wars, uh, art, uh, poetry and uh, whatever the uh, social activities of those times were uh, allowed to them. The Meccan occupation away all the rights and they were conf confined only indoors. Uh, the main person spearheading this movement was no other than Umar, the second caliph. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, his daughter was uh, also the wife of Prophet along with other uh, ten women, and he was always uh, very uh, anxious to see that uh, they are covered. Uh, as the history tells us, that he used to follow them in the morning and shout at them that, Hafza, I can see you. And those kind of incidents were the reason why Muhammad had to bring these uh, ayahs in Quran that the women should cover themselves and walk this way and that way. Uh, the instructions to men were very uh, not that harsh. The Quranic Surah, uh, the Anissa, was also on Omar's insistence and he demanded Muhammad to uh, make sure that the women are controlled. Uh, when he became caliph, he uh, banned all women going out of home or give them any education. Uh, there is a famous uh, statement of his uh, where he said that I heard Muhammad that if a man beats his wife, no one should ask him a question. So that uh, clearly shows uh, that uh, when the women rights were taken away, the uh, Arab culture had to go down and be socially unlivable. Uh, if the women had kept the rights, the society will progress better and it will be more human because the women are always kind. To their uh, to humanity. <coughs> now, if we if we look into uh, the statement what the mullah 
say, will tell you that uh, the uh, Arabs of that time, they loved Muhammad. Uh, but the fact is that they were forced into Islam by soul. And the clear proof can be seen that when Muhammad died, the 80% tribes, they left Islam. And uh, Abu Bakr, the first caliph, had to wage war. It's called Rida Wars, where there were uh, three or four prophets who came back and they were squashed. And every tribe was forced again by sword to come back to uh, Islamic fold. If we see uh, why there was no big uh, uh, revolt against uh, uh, Abu Bakr, uh, we see a few reasons. Uh, one of the reasons uh, is that the Islamic ideology did not uh, ask for any extra taxes. So the people felt relieved that under Islam we only have to pay 2.5% zakat and that's it. So that actually prompted them to come to Islamic fold and uh, be part of the uh, system. But the main reason why caliphs did not put any extra taxes uh, was that uh, by applying their power, they had free supply of warriors and they have to pay uh, no regular uh, monthly stipends or salary or any pension. The, the warriors were given the share in the booty, uh, means the plundering uh, they do, uh, whatever they get, and they used to get almost everything of the defeated tribe, women, cattle, land, whatever, and they were given uh, share in it. 20% would go to the caliph and 80% will be distributed among the people. Caliphs were not paying any salary or pension. If someone died in, uh, in Muhammad's tradition, they called him Shaheed and claimed that he is not dead, he is alive and has gone straight to heaven where he gets 72 beautiful women and everything is free. They, that's why they just dumped their body without any new coffin or ritual. This was a very easy and free way to get warriors. The other Muslim empires spread around the globe used the same tactic. They loved Mecca but never went for Hajj. So the annual pilgrimage to Mecca for 1500 years was not more than few hundred. Umrah, which has been made a fashion and status symbol in today's Pakistan, was never done by any far-off area residents. Only Mecca and nearby towns used to do it. For them, it was like a family vacation. We saw in history huge empires like Ottoman, Mughals, Safavids, Fatimids, 
and the two major empires in Arabia means Umayyad and Fatimids they use the same theory of jihad they call it in the name of Allah and used Quran as a supporting uh, theory that anybody you kill uh, warrior or innocent is okay and it is called Qatal Fi Sabilullah uh, we <coughs> had a Jamaat Islami Amir few years back saying the same thing that what Pakistan need is Qatal Fi Sabilullah so once they have this <coughs> killing everyone then they think that they can force Islam in Pakistan the way it was forced in Arab Peninsula the <coughs> in 20th century we saw uh, the rise of Wahhabism and its infiltration in Indian uh, religious uh, circles. <coughs> and some Wahhabis, they, after when they were beaten badly by British Empire, uh, confined themselves to uh, religious madrasas and started this movement <coughs> of uh, Mecca-centric politics. The, uh, the main madrasa was known as Dioban and they even got involved in <coughs> politics even before British took over. The attack of Nadir Shah from Iran was also on the behest of one of the Wahhabi Mullah and the destruction which this Iranian <coughs> uh, Iranian king brought on Pakistan it can still be read in history. He literally destroyed Sindh and Punjab, took all their money and wealth and <clears throat> went back to Iran and then forgave the taxes for three years for his nation. I mean, how stupid you could be to call an outsider and then get your own people destroyed and decimated. But again, in Mullah's uh, mind, the main thing is actually his power. And if we see the history, we will know that any attacker... Yeah, we see that uh, any attacker who came to India <coughs> uh, had always this gang of Mullahs who, <coughs> who were used uh, as a spies to consolidate their power in the garb of religion and in the garb of humanity or <coughs> friendship and whatnot. Uh, after uh, British takeover, these mullahs, they started uh, <coughs> spreading uh, the madrasas and uh, khanqas and uh, these kind of uh, religious places uh, where they made tons of money and uh, most of them uh, were uh, Sufis who used that uh, uh, drama to consolidate their power and uh, make tons of money. Today in Pakistan, we see these Sufis, they literally control the country. <coughs> their sons and daughters are in the higher up positions and they have really strangulated the whole nation using 
the drama of uh, religion and uh, Muhammad and uh, <coughs> Mecca-centric uh, ideology. Uh, Wahhabis are their right hand and they are doing all the killing and barbarism. Uh, <coughs> we saw uh, from the 19th century hundreds of Sufi shrines mushrooming all over India. Muslim remained in the Islamic shell when the British came and introduced a civilized way of living. <coughs> British brought an independent constitution, a judiciary, an independent judiciary, uh, administration, and a legislation. The British uh, established the political system in India. The main uh, uh, political party, uh, Congress, was established by a British man. And the other uh, nations like Hindus and Christians and Parsis, they all realized the benefit of that ideology and became part of it. They learned English and <clears throat> were posted at very important uh, positions. While Muslims under Mullah control, particularly this uh, Wahhabi and Sufi gang, uh, they stayed uh, away from English. They were told English is bad, the English language is haram, and all that bullshit. <coughs> so what happens then that for 200 years, the Muslims of India lost every opportunity. Uh, British created education, training, uh, bureaucracy, school system, colleges, universities, communications, railway networks, and whatnot. They ran the India same way as they were running the UK. They brought uh, the railway within 20 years when it was invented. And <clears throat> those railways are still the hallmark of India and Pakistan uh, communication network. The Hindus and other faiths, they learned how to live a modern society and follow modern ideology. Very few Muslims, and they were again like rich uh, uh, middle class Muslims who did educate their kids. They sent them to London and they tried to uh, give them modern education, <coughs> taught them science and uh, the reasonable way of living. Uh, and we saw that from that moment, uh, a great Muslim leaders were uh, created, a uh, person like uh, Kajaz Muhammad Rijana, who was the most successful and uh, very uh, active political leader who always worked for the benefit of a common man. But these mullahs, they just keep telling their populace around them that the British are going to go away soon and then our uh, jihad drama will bring <coughs> the rule of Islam again and all these non-Muslims and Hindus, who by the way were in majority, will again be their slaves. Uh, we see one mullah, uh, Sir Sayyid Ahmad Khan, who was like kind of modern and realized the benefit of English. Uh, his family has been uh, working with the Mughal kings 
So uh, he realized that working with an English is a better idea than to uh, work with the Mullah gang. <laughs> so he established an English learning school uh, in Aligarh. And this college was the only college established in uh, 19th century. But the approach of Sasayat was also same with the Mullah mentality. And that is why the, that institution, instead of being an advanced and progressive, became uh, the uh, orthodox type where <coughs> the Muslims did get some English education, but they could not, that education could not open their mind. The aristocratic way of Aligarh uh, remained the main policy of the institution and uh, even for today we see <coughs> that that institution is not being run like an independent progressive uh, university uh, with all the government health of millions of rupees they only have 40,000 enrollment in uh, very few technologies for 200 million people. Uh, during the same, the universities established during the same time in civilized world, yet UK or USA or Europe, they have excelled to the limit where this Aligarh can only look upon. They hardly, they have never produced any Nobel Prize winner. They have uh, never created a social uh, civilized mentality in their students. Uh, so much so that even today, the girls are not allowed to visit library because there are boys. They always feel like if a Muslim boy see the girl, he will go berserk and he'll bring, bring bad name to the university. I mean, instead of educating, telling them to respect women, they disallowed the opportunity for women to excel. This is really a very pathetic way the Muslim lived in India. The political sloganeering, everyone talks about centralized Islam and the example of Makkah Medina, but failed to realize the whole 7th century and later was the time of Arab imperialism using sword with nothing for common Arabs. For non-Arabs, it was even worse. Their lives were ruined and most became a cave-age mentality, not suitable for a civilized society and no hope for their next generation. They never saw the light they never had any help. They did not get education. They did not do get any awareness how the world is living. And that was the condition which Kaidism saw and thought we have to do something about it. That is why he joined Muslim League and worked very hard to create a Muslim country where they can live as a progressive and independent nation. 
unfortunately he died too early and this uh, illiterate nation chose to go back to the Arab ideology of Islam and their agent mullahs they put them back in the same shell which Qadism wanted them to get out. If you see the historically what whenever the Arabs uh, conquered the area and then they became ruler they did nothing for common men. All they saw was that Arabs came, they conquered their rulers, made they only made big palaces and harems for for themselves while the nations starved or stayed illiterate. Not even one percent of government resources were used for common men left to die. Now when we compare today, we see our poor and naive Prime Minister Imran told by ISI and Sufi gang to talk about Riyasat Madina and build on looting, on plundering other areas. Common men were dying all around and our poor Amirul Mumineen can't even plunder like Muhammad and his associates. So how can he create Riyasat Madina? Even the Umayyads and Abbasids were plundering the other areas. They expanded their empire and then all they did was make big palaces for themselves, a big mosque to show off and that's it. If anybody asks about it, they call him Fitna and kill him in cold blood. They also ask our Prime Minister this, the, to bring so-called prosperous Riyasat Madina. I mean, a joke. But leave our power, our defense colonies, our factories built by foreign investments, and our rich madrasas and khanqas, owning billions and whatnot. Imran cannot do it. And there is no way that the wealth can come to Pakistan by plundering the neighbors like Iran or Afghanistan or India, like the old <coughs> Muslim attackers did. <coughs> Imran is like Razia Undome Pasgai. He is an honest, but he has been given the same coin of Islam, the most poisonous one in different coating. There was no such thing as Riyasat Madina, and Imran knows it. And his enthusiasm about Islam is being rebuffed and joked by Arabs. He was treated like a puppy when he tried to convene the Malaysian moot between Malaysia, Turkey and Pakistan and other Muslim countries. The poor guy was called by the king of Saudi Arabia and rebuffed badly and threatened. As uh, Tayyab Ardogan openly said, that Saudi threatened him, threatened him to take out their $3 billion aid and all the facilities they are giving to the uh, rich of Pakistan. 
and uh, that's why he just went back to his shell and uh, uh, just kept quiet and refused to go to Malaysia. I mean, how, how badly you can be treated like Imran was and then still love Mecca-centric politics. It's really amazing. The Pakistanis don't think that these Arabs have treated them like dog. Literally like dog. And a few years back, a Saudi mullah claimed openly on internet that these non-Arabs are our dogs and they are our dogs because of our power of sword. Now, they don't have sword. Saudi Arabia is militarily not as strong. Pakistan is an atomic power. They can flush them out in any time. But they have the power of Pakistanis infested with religion. Islam is the reason why Pakistan is being uh, rebuffed, ridiculed, and joked about all over the world. Even recently, the Pakistan's UN uh, representative tried to establish uh, a, a, a group of Muslim ministers or foreign ministers to advance the cause of uh, doing something about Islamophobia. We'll talk about that Islamophobia, which is again is a big drama. But guess what? The UAE rebuffed it. He refused to be part of it. So did every Arab. When Pakistan's Prime Minister does anything for Islam, they say nothing doing. If you want to do that, go through our way, through us. Come and bag us. And then we can tell you how much and what part of Islam drama you can handle or be part of it. Otherwise, it's all ours. We started it and no one has any right on it. And if Imran says anything, they will bring all their mullah agents to work against him and he will go home in a very short time. Imagine a nation, an atomic power, being used so much and so badly that they have lost every honor, every respect. My point is, the religion should always help, support, and uh, protect the community. But in case of Islam and Pakistan being a non-Arab country, it is only being destroyed. And Pakistan has no hope unless this mullah gang is controlled, put in under government institution, re-educated, and the nation get out of this madrasa mentality, Islamic mentality, and Arab-loving mentality. Arabs can take care of themselves. We used to help them for 500 years, but what we got in return can be seen today. That they have no respect for Pakistan. They use it as a piece of tissue paper. But if we still keep doing it and keep working for Mecca-centric politics, we have no future.